KO. Welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app today and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Welcome into a remote version of the CHGO White Sox podcast. I did notice on the thumbnail, it looked like Yoan Moncada's chain was breaking loose. So nice photo selection there, Stephen Nicholas. I'm Sean Anderson, the host of the CHGO White Sox podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. The people not in Arizona uh, are Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at ActorWall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. Also with us, Janice Scurio. You can follow her on Twitter at Scuriosa. There's two eyes in there in the middle uh, on Twitter. And uh, she's our CHGO Sky and CHGO White Sox person. And we also have, live from Arizona, Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. Uh, basking in the sun and rubbing it all in our face. How you doing? Apparently, I'm doing better than you guys are doing back home. I heard the weather is not so nice. I wouldn't call this, uh, you know, Arizona hot by any stretch of the imagination out here. I think uh, the phone said 30 when I woke up this morning. But uh, uh, you give the you give it the day to, to sit in the sun and things get up to about 60. So uh, I am not complaining one bit. I take it. We can boo Vinny right now if we want to. Boo. Um, yeah, it's, uh, very, very basking. It. Uh, I know you've gone down to spring training. You got any plans this year to go? Oh, oh, me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I actually am going uh, next month. So I'll be there for an entire week. Uh, so, uh, Vinny, I'll make it a point to annoy you at, at, at some point. Can't wait. If not I think now. he'll be back by that, by that point, too. Oh. Um, well, I'll just have to annoy you now then, if that's the case. <laughs> annoy away, certainly. We're very excited. A lot to annoy you about. Uh, we have uh, stuff to touch upon from yesterday. We have stuff uh, to touch to stuff, uh, touch to stuff, stuff to touch upon today. Um, we also have people in the comments. We want to just say, hey, what's up? Uh, thank you to Jordan Gilmore. Uh, up to 50 likes would be appreciated if you guys are hanging out with us. And shout out to Danny Guzman, uh, who's hanging out with us for the first time here. Uh, JJ thinks you got a uh, green screen behind you, uh, but it's nice to see uh, you having this access. Uh, and one of that access is uh, talking to Pedro Grafal and Yoan Moncada. And apparently Yoan Moncada had a lot to say about his 2022 and uh, what that might mean for his 2023. Uh, why don't we start first with that oblique injury? I know he touched upon that. Uh, what did Yuan have to say about how that affected 2022 and uh, what that injury did to his season? Yeah, I mean, it just kind of was the story. I mean, I, I think we've touched on it a few times. You know, the guy has a, a, an injury literally the day before opening day uh, and, and, and hits the IL right then and never really recovered from from it. Uh, he said today that he thinks he probably came back too soon from that oblique injury that he, that he suffered right at the end of the spring. And, and really he looked uncomfortable all last spring. So, I mean, it, it's something that, um, was obviously with him and he never shook. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not, it's not to say that his oblique was bothering him from start to finish last year, but obviously he had other things going on that landed him on the IL again, that knocked him out of games again, you know, regular baseball stuff. Uh, and certainly that was the story uh, of his 2021 season also. Uh, in 2020, it was all about uh, the COVID infection and the after effects of that. So uh, he's here. He's feeling good. He said he changed up his entire offseason workout, the way that he gets ready for the season, a lot more treatment on his body, more massages, he made a, he made a point of saying. Uh, but he said that he did everything different this year, and he has come to camp feeling really good. He said that usually by this time in camp, after he's been here a couple days, usually has shoulder soreness, uh, you know, just of, from getting back into the swing of things. He doesn't have that this year. So physically, he's feeling great. And I think that's a great first step to getting him to be all that he can be here in 2023. 
And Vinny, I just want to know, how did Yoan take the departure of Jose Abreu, as we've talked about a couple of times? He was the leader of the, the group there and leader of the whole team, but it was especially the Spanish-speaking cats. How did Yoan uh, react to that uh, in his first press availability today? Yeah, it's funny. Yoan is in Jose's old locker uh, in the in the uh, Sox locker room here at Camelback Ranch. So um, he's a guy who who obviously was a Jose Abreu's you know, right-hand man, guy right under his wing there uh, as Jose was beginning his little group, his mentorship group there over the last few years. Uh, Yoan said today, you know, they wish he was here, that they, you know, in an ideal world, he would be back. Um, but he's not, and they get why. They get the business of baseball uh, aspect of this all. Um, but he leaned on the fact that Jose has taught him and, and Luis and Deloy and everybody else quite a lot. You know, he said he's taught us a lot as individuals. He's taught us a lot as a team. I think it's kind of time to put that uh, to the test right now. Certainly it's going to be put to the test whether they want it to be or not. Uh, but then we heard from Pedro Grafal later in the day. And, and, and I asked, you know, can Moncada be one of the guys that can step into that leadership role? I mean, maybe he's not the, the guy you would think of first because he's been, under a leader for so long now, but can he is, is taking what he learned from Abreu, not just something that he can apply to daily life as a baseball player to get through the season. Is it something where he can turn in to that guy? Who's kind of a rallying point for the team. Pedro said, yeah, he's got it in him. He doesn't know if that's going to be how it plays out. Right. I mean, it's certainly he is expecting he being Pedro, uh, a guy or two or three to step up during camp uh, in, in Abreu's absence. Uh, but maybe Yoan is one of those guys. So um, the absence of Jose Abreu is going to continue to be a huge, huge storyline throughout, not just camp, but the season. Uh, asked Rick Hahn about it yesterday. And, and, and Rick said along the lines of, well, hey, you're never going to hear anybody with the White Sox say anything, but man, Jose is missed and we miss Jose. But then he tacks onto it but it doesn't mean that we still can't have, and I quote, a damn good team. So uh, listen, they've obviously made their choice to, uh, to, to, to plow forward here without Abreu, and they still think that there's enough talent here that they can win and succeed without him too. Yohan Moncada said as much today, saying, yeah, we can achieve our goals, even though Abreu's not here. Now, Vinny, uh, Yohan Moncada is participating in the World Baseball Classic, and I also read a blurb earlier that uh, he was uh, taking at-bats against Lance Lynn. Has he spoken about that at all? Uh, well, he talked a lot about the World Baseball Classic. Uh, he's he's thrilled for it, to be quite honest. He's a guy who never played for the Cuban national team when he was playing in Cuba. And, uh, you know, he said that it's been a lifelong dream to be able to wear Cuba across his chest and play for the national team. Uh, obviously, he's doing it with a teammate here and Luis Robert, who, by the way, guys, officially is Luis Robert Jr. Uh, I saw the number 88 jersey in the locker room and it says Robert Jr. on it. So uh, everybody's uh, Luis Robert jerseys and shirts jerseys that they currently have are now of the vintage variety because uh, <laughs> Robert Jr. is what's on the back now. But uh, but yeah, Moncada is thrilled to be able to play for Team Cuba in the World Baseball Classic. We talked to Kendall Graveman today. He's thrilled to play for Team USA. It really is something that these guys are really excited about. And, and I know that we've talked about it from kind of a fan standpoint of, you know, People saying, oh, I don't want my my team's players in it because they might just get hurt and blah, blah, blah. These guys love playing in this competition. And, and I think Kendall Griffin even pointed out that, you know, look at how much the players from other countries 
had loved it in the first few go rounds of this and that it kind of inspired the American players to dive into it kind of wholeheartedly as well. So um, this is something that Moncada is certainly thrilled about. And Pedro keeps talking about it as a huge advantage for Moncada, a huge benefit to get him up to game speed right away uh, and, and be playing with something on the line rather than in Cactus League games where, uh, you know, they do a great job here at Camelback Ranch, but uh, they are exhibition games after all. So to be playing for a trophy in March, Pedro thinks is going to really benefit Moncada and everybody that's playing in it from this White Sox team. Excited to see him. Um, my worry is just we kind of like the oblique injury. It was kind of ho-hum. It was at the end of spring training last year. Um, like when he t- talked about rushing back, um, was there any signs that he noticed right away about you know, possibly rushing back too soon or, or, you know, maybe what the the recovery should have been on that. I mean, I seem to even remember this being a talking point last year, Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Tony bringing it up at one point saying that he might've come back too soon from it. Um, And I think it's just a thing where, the eagerness to play through the pain. Again, we talk about him being under Jose Abreu's wing, right? Uh, You know, just kind of saying, all right, well, I hurt, but too bad. The team needs me today. Uh, Moncada certainly has that in him. And, and I think maybe, you know, he probably realized when he came back, Oh boy, that's not all the way fixed. That doesn't feel like normal, but Hey, I can go out there and I can muscle through it. Um, I think a lot of guys probably have that in them, probably have that attitude of, you know, not just needing to be a hundred percent, but just being able to go out there and play and contribute. Um, and I'm sure that's something that he didn't take long to realize, but he wanted to be on the field. So uh, he didn't go into too much detail today about, um, you know, whether there was a light bulb moment when it clicked that he maybe didn't do it the way he should have, but you can certainly look back in hindsight and say, Oh boy, had I not done, done it that way, things might've gone differently the whole year. And I think you can point to physical, um, things as a big contributor certainly not the only one but a big contributor to the reason uh to to his results from last season which of course were very uh poor yeah you live you learn uh 2023 is a new slate for you on and the white Sox as a whole in 2022 i do want to get to the kind of headline of this topic and, and throw this out to the group herb we'll start with you we'll go to janice we'll end with Vinny. what can you on mancata be for 2023 is this he's in the best shape of his life material can you buy into this can you on mancata be a leader i mean again we've talked about this point um jose abreu might have been setting uh an example like that where you have to play through the pain push through the pain Yohan mancata has played in the second most games uh, uh behind jose abreu since 2019 so herb uh, what can Yohan Moncada be in 2023? You always talk about top seven third baseman in Major League Baseball. That's what he was in 2021, and his <laughs> career is weird. It's the odd years he's good, and the even years he's terrible. And, yeah, he can be a top seven third baseman. We already know the defense is going to be there all the time. Um, just needs to be have some focus. And one of the things that I want to know is where he's going to be hitting in the lineup. So if Andrew Benintendi likely is going to be hitting second that's putting Yohan Moncada at earliest sixth or seventh so no pressure back there also but also I would seek a player of his caliber would think man I'm getting this like this sixth on this team man I'm, I'm a much better hitter like that I hope he takes it as a front and goes out and has his best year but yeah he can have an outstanding year I think he can get back to 2019 levels with full health because we saw the player that he was in that year and I don't think that has gone away as Vinny said 
if you have an oblique injury and you come back from the oblique injury, it's going to be hard for that to heal all year long. You're just going to be tweaking it and living with it throughout the year. We saw the the dearth of power. The average wasn't good. The eye wasn't good. The on base was like 370 the year before. Now it's in the low 300s or uh, so that's not Yoan Moncada, at least the, not the Yoan Moncada that was top prospect and the guy that first kicked off this whole uh, rebuilding process with the White Sox. So, yeah, he can have an awesome year. But am I counting on that? It's going to be hard to put my eggs into the Yoan Moncada having a great year basket. So I'm going to have a, a tepid response to or a reply to his year this year. If he has a good year, I won't be surprised. If he has a bad year, I won't be surprised either. I feel as if that's very safe to say, Herb, uh, because I agree with you. I feel as if uh, one thing I really want to point out is that uh, in 2022, he completely forgot to hit fastballs, uh, given like you probably could apply that same analysis to the rest of the team. But uh, just looking at batting average alone, you're looking at uh, 271 in 2021 and 214 in 2022. Now, if we look at WOBA, uh, it actually gets even worse. A 367 WOBA on fastballs in 2021, 297 WOBA on fastballs in 2022. And of course, too, I mean, I think it's really easy to say that, yeah, if he's healthy, uh, he definitely uh, should be clobbering the ball like he did in 2019. I want to point out he had a 47.9% hard hit rate. Uh, so, yeah, he was clobbering the ball. Uh, that also accompanies that 472x Wobicon, which was, drumroll, uh, yeah, one of the top percentages in the entire league. So, uh, yeah, if, if he even gets to even, like, close to those numbers, I'll be satisfied. Uh, but, again, I mean, like, like Herb said, the, the defense is always going to be there. I feel as if that's pretty much the consistency that he has. He's just very good defensively. But uh, as for that bat, we'll see. I mean, if, if he has an off year, I will not be surprised. If he has a great year, I also won't be surprised. So, sorry, Herb, I just copied and pasted what no. you just said. You brought up Wobacon, which I just read as Wobacon. So I always look at that as like, oh, that's how you say it? No, that's I'm hungry now. Wobacon. Delicious. That's a delicious Wobacon. One of the highlights of convention season every year, obviously, is ex-Wobacon. Um, but yeah, the I, I think when I talk about Moncada, I think I, I, I'm, I'm going to mention what Pedro, some more of the stuff Pedro Grafal had to say today. And I asked him point blank, I go, can, can, does Moncada have the ability to, to get back to the kind of player he was a few years ago, citing 2019 as a year where he was looking as a guy with MVP type potential. And uh, Pedro goes, oh gosh, yes. Uh, I, he, he pointed out that Moncada is kind of hitting his peak in terms of, uh, you know, when, when guys kind of mature into that peak part of their career. Uh, and, and I think everybody recognizes the talent. Pedro said he's been impressed with Moncada ever since he was hired, that, that Moncada has answered or has responded to every phone call, has answered every text that Pedro has sent him. Um, he's asked questions. He's been willing to do absolutely anything. You remember on the day Pedro was introduced as the White Sox manager, the mm -hmm. only player he brought up was Yohan Moncada, getting him back to being that guy that could walk. Pedro was asked today, you know, how's that going? How, how are you, how does it go and kind of convince Moncada to be that guy that can use those on-base skills to walk a whole bunch? And Pedro said he's open to absolutely anything and it's going in the right direction. So um, I think Moncada has, uh, at least by all accounts, uh, shown up with the right attitude this year to get, not only get his numbers back on track and his production back on track, but getting back to being a key, key part 
of this uh, White Sox lineup. Herb, you mentioned a guy who bats maybe down in the middle or uh, the middle third or the bottom third of the lineup now with the way that the other players are, are kind of falling into place. You know who we haven't talked about when we keep saying, how are they going to make up this production that they lost from Abreu? We haven't really talked about Moncada a lot. We've obviously talked about Aloy. We've talked about Robert. We've talked uh, about Vaughn. Moncada hasn't been a guy that we've brought up a lot. And if he can get back to being a guy who walks a lot, if he can get back to being a guy who can hit for power, and then he shows all the other offensive uh, things that he can do. That's another thing that Pedro brought up today, saying he can basically do anything or so many different things on a baseball field. Maybe he's the guy that helps out in that uh, in that effort to, you know, you can't replace Jose Abreu, but those numbers got to come from somewhere. Maybe he's a guy that plays an unexpected role. And Vinny, I just wanted to know, um, how do the White Sox or yourselves as media members get the availability of the players? Do the White Sox say, OK, here's Joe Kelly, here's Yohan Mankata, here's Pedro Grafal, or do you guys request certain players and they give you uh, the players that you ask for? little bit of everything, Herb. Uh, okay. They try to, to, to organize some group sessions every day and, and make sure that uh, we're hearing from, from the big guys and the guys who are newsworthy, uh, uh, especially in this early portion of camp. You know, uh, they, they, they check in with those guys and set up group sessions. But, yeah, of course, we can uh, talk to guys. Uh, we, we have clubhouse access like we do uh, at home before games. So, um, yeah, we can talk to guys in, in a variety of ways. Um. I think that's a topic we'll touch on a little bit later as well. Um, I, I do want to ask a little bit before we hit the ad break, because um, we have some Joe Kelly sound, which will lead into um, maybe uh, a certain someone talking yesterday, which I think Herb was leading you towards. Um, Not really. I was just wondering, like, because I was thinking like the White Sox must have a lot of faith in Yoan Makata if they were the ones who brought him out there. Like he's like the front facing well, offensive player that they brought up there today. He's uh, it's based on the availability and the willingness of the guys too. you know, they, okay. when they get here to camp, when they get here to camp, they've obviously got some stuff that they have to get done and get settled into that. Maybe they don't have to a week from now. Uh, and then it's also based on their daily schedules on a regular basis. You know, they basically just walk up to them and say, Hey, you willing to talk today? No, I'd rather do it this day. There it goes. I think Moncada was available today because he's one of the position players that's here already. Uh, we've seen we've seen Moncada. We've seen Robert. We've seen T.A. Uh, I believe Andrew Vaughn is here. Obviously, Yasmani Grandal is here as a catcher. Um, uh, so, you know, position players showing up. Obviously, those first three that I mentioned are in the World Baseball Classic. So it makes sense that they'd want to get off to a little bit of an earlier start. Makes sense for Andrew Vaughn, too, because, you know, revenge season. Um, let's uh, quick, take a quick Who break. is he getting revenge against? Uh, Everybody. Everybody. He did everybody who who just, you know, anyone, anyone who stands in his way himself from last year, his past. That's not yes, that's right. not really revenge, though, is it? Well, it's. Um, yeah, well, I don't know. I don't well, know let it be known. I don't like Andrew Vaughn. I think he's a terrible hitter. He can't hit balls over the ballpark. He's only a 17 home run hitter. Take that, Andrew Vaughn. He's getting revenge on her. Uh, thank you. Is there thank such you, a thing as sarcastic bulletin board material? I'm not sure if that if that tracks either. Her. <laughs> yeah. Is, is there anything about like uh, unwillingly bullying Andrew Vaughn? Um, I don't know. Uh, forcing yourself to bully a person. Uh, let's just take a quick break. Uh, we'll let you know about DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, Right now, DraftKings Sportsbook for new and existing customers are offering the NBA No Sweat Same Game Parlay. The Bulls and Bucks are play, uh, taking place tonight. The Bulls, in a bit of a rut here. They've lost five straight. Um, I wouldn't take them. Uh, Cody and I on CHGO Bet built a uh, crazy seven-leg parlay. Uh, and, hey, 
Uh, if you bet $10 on it, uh, you get a $10 bonus bet back if that bet misses out, which it probably will, being seven legs longs. But if you build a same game parlay that's three legs or longer on DraftKings Sportsbook, and I think minimum odds of minus 200, you can place $10 down. And if you don't get that bet to hit, you get a bonus bet back. So it is an extremely fun way to enjoy a Bulls game while not having to worry about the bet and hopefully you win some money. So download the app now and sign up with code CHGO. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code CHGO. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Also have to let you know about pins and aces. Right now is not a great time for us to be golfing, but Vinny, hey, um, looks like you could get a couple rounds in, right? It's, it's, it's warm enough. It's clear enough. Of golf? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Come on, even rounds. I know that, Sean. There you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a couple holes, I guess. Uh, Pins and Aces is the official golf apparel partner of CHGO. We love our Pins and Aces gear. Our guy, Steven, who's producing the show, gets tons of compliments on and off the course when he is hitting the links on uh, for his Pins and Aces gear. They're a family-owned golf and apparel business, and they make amazing polos, hats, golf bags, and even our favorite beer sleeve. As we figured out, a case of Goose Island is 15 beers. You buy two beer sleeves they hold up to seven beers you could put seven in one seven in the other and hold a goose island in your hand uh so their way that way you're keeping your drinks in your golf bag and you're keeping the drinks cold the entire round so check out pinsandaces.com and use code chgo to receive 15 percent off your first order and get free shipping that's pinsandaces.com all right Vinny, Pedro Grafal, how has he been in his first two days uh i know it's been a, a tr- you know kind of an, a, a rocky uh, first two days i know you hit the ground running yesterday um but just overall has he been open has he been sharing is it kind of you know playing cards close to the chest with the new manager how has pedro been uh with uh, the media so far in his first two days as manager at spring training good i i think you can only review it in a positive way certainly uh he's you know um let's put it this way from fans from from the viewpoints of the fans i think they're really going to enjoy his positivity they're really going to enjoy the mission that he's kind of set out to accomplish with this team i mean he's constantly talking about establishing uh, the, the correct identity about you know uh being the team that wants to play the game the right way you know play hard that kind of thing um and that kind of filters into everything that he's thinking about he's definitely uh a, a workaholic and a perfectionist in terms of setting up camp uh in terms of wanting to make sure that everything gets accomplished for the day uh but again very positive in that regard as well so uh you know i i don't think he's got a lot of answers answers to roster questions, lineup questions, playing time questions right now, because as he reminded us a few times today, it's day two. Uh, You know, there's certainly ways that he can envision things going, but listen, they get six weeks here. And and I think uh, they'll definitely use all that time to, to make the decisions that they need to make ahead of opening day. Well, and we do have a super chat here from our guy, uh, Stefan Bardo. I just want to hit this. Uh, Can I ask Vinny? So, Vinny, um, I, this one's directed towards you. Um, is the atmosphere different from uh, TLR to Pedro, or maybe what ways are they different? And it also, it might be difficult to judge. It's only day two, and not everyone's there so far. Yeah, I'm not sure how different it really is. I think uh, the thing you got to remember about all these players is that they're professionals. You know, I, I think that they show up to go about their business. I think they did that the last two years under Tony La Russa, and I think they're doing it this year over Pedro under Pedro Grafal. Um, certainly, the messaging might be different. The, the, the experience level couldn't be more different, right? You've got Pedro, a guy in his first year as a major league manager, Tony, of course, had been doing it uh, since the late 1970s. So uh, there, there's a big difference there, 
but in terms of the way the players are or the uh, much much discussed of vibes, um, I think they're pretty much the same. Uh, Tony Larusa did not have to uh, deal with what uh, Pedro Grafal had to deal with yesterday in terms of uh, Mike Clevenger uh, showing up to camp and everything that is going on with him. Uh, so in that regard, it's hard to say that we walked in here and everybody was all smiles or anything like that, because certainly some very serious stuff going on uh, with one of their one of their teammates. But um, in terms of everybody getting here and getting to work, in terms of everybody talking about um, the expectations for this season and having a chip on their shoulder and uh, wanting to make sure that they can uh, adopt the identity that Pedro wants them to adopt. Certainly they're all responding uh, positively in all uh, on all of those fronts. And Vinny, I wanted to know like Pedro's got a tough job, not only being a rookie manager, but a rookie manager in the world baseball classic uh, year, two of his possible closers this year, in the competition are going to be gone to the world baseball classic. Do you speak about the difficulty there and then how we will be making this decision finally before the season starts, or if there's going to be a closer by committee type of thing? Yeah, he's been asked that a couple times, I think both yesterday and today about kind of how this bullpen is going to be reshaped with Liam Hendricks, obviously uh, in the middle of cancer treatment. Um, you know, this is a guy who they probably cannot replace with one guy. He's that good. Uh, that being said, uh, Pedro's kind of open to all all things, and that's kind of what I was referring to when I mentioned, you know, they've got six weeks to figure out what things are going to be like by opening day, and they're going to use them. He said he was talking about that today, how, you know, listen, if, if one guy emerges and, you know, it's Kendall Graveman or Reynaldo Lopez or Joe Kelly, and they're just tearing it up and they, they're going to be the, the clear, far and away pick for closer – then that's the way that plays out. And if nobody does that, then they'll do it other way, uh, other ways. I think that um, Sean, certainly, I, I believe you fall into this category. And I think there's a lot of fans that do. Uh, Pedro talked about just playing matchups and using guys in, in, in the situation where, where they work out best. You know, if, if the three, four, five in the lineup come up in the seventh or eighth inning, maybe that's the time you'd deploy your top reliever as, as opposed to um, saving him specifically for the ninth inning. Now, there's the other side of that coin too. Not that Pedro talked about it, but that some guys are dominant in the ninth inning. I certainly think we've seen that from Liam Hendricks, um, but maybe of the guys who would be remaining in this bullpen without Liam, uh, there is not one of those guys. And so maybe they do get deployed in a variety of ways, uh, at least when the season begins, but certainly we're going to find out more about that. I don't think Pedro has the answer to that question right now to, 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 make a long-winded explanation of it i think it's going to be him finding out along with us over the course of the next month and a half what the best way to go is now Vinny, i know you haven't known pedro for a very long but i do want to know that uh when he was hired he definitely marketed himself as being more of a a, a new school type of manager where he was more analytically minded definitely uh put a lot of emphasis on rest and recovery which i thought was personally fascinating uh as an athlete myself uh so i just wanted to know uh like in, in your early impressions of pedro grafal uh, have you uh, seen that to be the truth so far um, you know, it certainly he's got a lot, a lot going on in that head at at, at any given time, right? And that's not to uh, uh, say that anybody that came before him uh, did not. Um, but he is very much on top of everything. And I think, you know, uh, he talked in his opening press conference about data and, and ways to deliver that to the players, which I'm sure appealed to a certain subset of the fan base. Um, but I think 
I, I think you could definitely uh, categorize him as a mix, not necessarily of new and old school, but just of, of, you know, taking everything into account. I think he definitely looks at those numbers and certainly prepares incredibly detailed and, and uh, specific plans for every day here at spring training. Uh, I believe he ran spring training, uh, you know, under the, under, uh, teams of his, that used to employ him as well. Um, so this is not his first rodeo in terms of running spring training, but it is as him being the the big league manager. Um, but also too, he, he keeps talking about, you know, those kind of intangible things that, that you expect from more of a quote unquote old school um, baseball mind. So I think it really is a good mix. Um, and that's good because not every player responds to one or the other of those, of those strategies. So um, to be able to relate to a bunch of different guys in a bunch of different ways. That's, that's the job. That's the job more than, uh, more than, um, you know, picking who to call out of the bullpen or, or, or setting uh, a nine man batting order. The job is relating to these guys and getting them to do that. And the more uh, different variety of ways in which you can do that, the more successful you're going to be. And I think that's uh, how I would describe Pedro Grafol here in the early going. Before we move on to uh, who else Vinny talked to today and Joe Kelly, we got some video and audio from Joe Kelly. It kind of suck if we just had the video. Good thing we have the audio to go with it. Um, <laughs> with uh, Pedro, though, you talked to him about, about, you know, I think you described him as a, a guy with a mission or a plan, and a lot of stuff in his head. Um, I did like the insight uh, from White, the White Sox YouTube channel of, uh, they were at the restaurant down in Miami, a family restaurant, a friend's family restaurant. Um, and his father said, you know, there's 100 senators and only 30 major league managers. And it just seems like this is something that, you know, he's always thought about. It seems like something uh, that he's always been striving for. And he, he said early, too, like it, it's less about, you know, baseball and it's more about building relationships. Uh, you know, him and Aloy always saying I love you and stuff like, you know, it, it is it is interesting to see the uh, the relationships start. Um, vibe check Herb and Janice. I know it's only been two days so far, but thumbs up, thumbs down. Too early to tell on uh, on on Pedro, on Pete here. Oh, I'm Petey. I'm huge. I'm huge thumbs up on Pedro Gafal. I've been that way since I got word from people who know baseball and know him, giving me the uh, the uh, inside dope. So yeah, I've been big time uh, thumbs up on him. His in his introductory press conference was awesome, and ever ever since I've seen him on different podcasts. Nothing but bet, nothing but the best for uh, Pedro Grafal. I think he is probably the right guy for this team to lead him forward. I, I have no qualms with uh, Pedro Grafal. I'm thumbs up all the way on him. As a data person, as an analytics person, as someone who just eats all that stuff up, uh, as soon as I heard that he was uh, that type of manager, I was absolutely all for it. Uh, so from what I've heard from him so far, I feel as if he passes the vibe check. Uh, I was not too, uh, I, I was not too impressed with his comments regarding a certain player though, uh, which I'm sure all of you have discussed in a great detail. I know I have last night, especially in, uh, the spaces that Josh Nelson uh, put on yesterday. Uh, but, uh, to summarize briefly, uh, I felt as if it was a little, um, uh, how do I put this nicely? Uh, mildly insulting, I guess, where uh, he just essentially uh, brushed off the Clevenger situation as a distraction uh, and that uh, fans should not be distracted by this. But uh, no, it's definitely something that is at least in the forefront of my mind. Uh, I think about it quite often. Uh, I know that 
not not everyone feels the same way. Uh, and that's fine. But of course, too, it's something that is important to me. Uh, but otherwise, it also has not been very it, it has not been a long like a, a long period of time for me to make uh, a, a final decision. But I would say I am, you know, kind of in the middle there mid so far um yeah I, we actually didn't get a chance to talk about uh, pedro grafal's comments on mike clevenger and i think we're going to say that uh once we get to joe kelly's comments because uh joe ends on talking about clevenger and uh what that meant for the team so why not get into it uh it will be broken up into two parts um so we'll first hear a little bit about liam um we haven't talked about liam yet so i think it's important to talk about him before uh, you know, we, I think we, we dedicated a whole hour on Clevenger. Um, we'll get an update for Liam and then we'll discuss Clevenger. We'll discuss what uh, Joe Kelly had to say about Clevenger, uh, some of the what the players' thoughts were. We'll get that from Vinny. And then we'll also talk more about uh, Pedro Grafal's comments on Mike Clevenger. So, uh, Stephen, if you want to just roll Joe Kelly's comments, uh, this is Joe Kelly on talking to Liam and seeing Liam in training camp so far or spring training. Talked to Liam a lot. You know, we, we were playing cats multiple times. And then obviously when he came out and told, the world would happen um, you know he went to chemo and then three days later we played catch again um, so he's been grinding uh, you know he's one of the guys who could do that kind of thing he, he could he could switch you know what what troubles he has off the field when he gets on the field and that's very hard to do you know um, but he seems to do it pretty well so you know we're, we're hoping for him to you know obviously when he gets through all of his chemos and, and all his treatments and if he gets cleared um, you know since he's been throwing it's not going to be too far of a process for him to come back how do you react to that process? I mean, you're used to hearing a guy who pulled a muscle or might have to have Tommy John, but when you hear the word cancer for a guy who's your teammate and your friend, how do you kind of process and react to that? For me, myself, I was taken back, obviously, but, you know, I saw him at the field a couple days later, right? And, um, you know, that just shows to me that he's not sitting on it. Um, for me, I'm kind of, you know, I, I guess my humor's kind of dark. You know, I don't like, I don't like sitcoms. I don't like, you know, cheesy comedy. I like mean comedy, right? You know? So when you know Liam comes back, uh, you know it's easy to you know kind of talk crap a little bit, and, and he's a guy who can take it, and that you know picks him up a little bit. So um, the way you kind of process it, everyone's different. Uh, for myself, like I said, the way we could go about it is kind of making fun of it, right? It's not, it's a serious thing, and you know it's a horrible thing. But for Liam and our relationship, uh, it's one of those things that you know the, the, the minutes we have together in the locker room where I could do something like that, you know, it gets his mind off of that kind of thing. I think he seems great. Um, you know, he has his days, you know, where he would probably tell you he's tired or, you know, he doesn't feel good or, um, but uh, he's the same Liam to me. In terms of his mood and things like that. Yeah, it seems great. How do you, how do you look at the bullpen, the group of guys you have to fill the load while you know, somebody who played such a big role is not, not available? Yeah, obviously you're not going to be able to replace, you know, a two-time reliever of the year award winner, right? Uh, you know, but we're not looking to replace, we're looking to, you know, Pull together more as a unit so you know we didn't have our uh six six tight end left-handed lineman you know linebacker crochet last year and you know i've watched crochet pitch many times this offseason and you know he's not gonna be too far behind from opening day i, I would think um so you can get a guy back like that you know we're gonna have obviously the bummers the deacons pretty much the same bullpen um you know we're losing liam for a little bit but we're also adding another piece that we didn't have last year so uh you know, if everyone stays healthy and just does average of what they can do, um, we're going to have easily a top three pen in the league for sure. Is it important to, to have somebody step into that ninth inning role, or is it, is it a positive that, to have the versatility where everybody could, could chip in? Obviously, you'd want versatility, but uh, luckily for us, we have an all-star closer who uh, 
you know, by the name of Kendall Grayman, who's done it before. Um, and we have guys who pitch in big spots, you know. I've pitched in numerous postseason games at, at near the end of the game. Um, you know, so it's one of those things, like I said, we're not trying to actually replace his physical numbers, right? We're just trying to be us. And uh, luckily, we have a lot of guys who could uh, contribute to that late inning, you know, or, or save or close roll. So there you go, Herb, a little bit more about maybe uh, what the vibe is going into spring training about the closer situation. Vinny, I do just want to follow up. I mean, have you seen Liam Hendricks? I know that, you know, him and Joe Kelly have been playing catch. Have you yourself or any beat reporters seen Liam? We have not seen him yet. We see we saw his locker today, and his, his locker is full of stuff, just like any other uh, player who's here would be. Um, obviously, we've heard from the team and that he's been around. Pedro did tell us today that, that usually uh, Liam kind of uh, go, comes in and, and does his stuff while the team is out on the backfield. So that could be kind of a way to to kind of, um, you know, do his own thing on his own. And, and maybe that's why we haven't seen him yet. But obviously, it's only been two days. Rick Hahn kind of uh, forecasted that we would see him walking around and uh, that we should tell him hi when we see him. Yeah, it'd be good to see him. Uh, and definitely a, a sight for, for sore eyes uh, at this point. It'd be great to see Liam. Uh, yeah, guys, anything you, you want to take from the bullpen uh, stuff that, that Joe Kelly brought up? Um, anything stick out? Maybe uh, sitcoms or mean comedies, <laughs> if, if, if anything? I thought that was funny from Joe. I, I take it he probably is not a fan of I think you should leave, although that kind of borderlines into mean, I think. Yeah, maybe a- Abbott. Like Abbott's too too sweet for him. Oh, absolutely. 1,000% way probably too hate, pure for him. Probably hates Ted Lasso. That's a bad thing. Oh, yes. Um, yes. I'm, but, I'm not a Ted Lasso person either. Uh, so I don't Come on, Janice. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know you that don't... those kind of people existed. I, I don't exactly. love it. I, I didn't, it too it didn't, syrupy? What's, what's didn't up, grasp me. I, I just couldn't get into it. Uh, I, I'm definitely more of an abstract, uh, more just more, I don't know, goofy experimental comedy person. So, yeah, just... A, the, the ghost tour skit from I think you should leave is probably my sense of humor. (laughs) But what I took from it too, is like the confidence. I mean, Joe Kelly, while the numbers, the ERA, the traditional numbers looked bad and you saw in certain spots that Joe Kelly wasn't great. The other numbers, the peripherals looked awesome. He, as you have brought up numerous times, Sean, that his curveball is one of the most devastating pitches in the league. He his FIP, I think was uh, like two or three runs less than what his ERA was uh, displaying. So I am have confidence that this guy can bounce back, and I'll put those in quotes, to have a year that he's typically going to have. And like I said, 2022 for every White Sox, you can pretty much throw away, including Joe Kelly. I think his um, his knuckle curve in the show is like my favorite pitch to use. Like it, it's just, he's I don't know. Dead. Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and, it's and 91. Like... <laughs> oh, in the game, it's filthy. It's just game, bad. It's filthy in real life Um, like it starts at the top of the the strike zone and it falls off the table it's mm -hmm. so great you cannot hit that ball I've had friends get mad at me for bringing Joe Kelly into the game just for that (laughs) Um, cheat code Joe Kelly hopefully he can bring that uh, into real life and (laughs) uh, and get that dub Uh, but yes uh, 608 ERA uh, FIP was 306 and that was the lowest FIP of his career Um, didn't show it on the field but again that's uh that's a that's a made up stat with made up games and, and made up results, right? Um, anyways, uh, we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna get to the other part of what Joe Kelly said um, and uh, talk about what Mike Clevenger and the, the vibe around the team is. If we keep using that word um, around the, the clubhouse, uh, let's let you know about DraftKings pick of the week. Though I'm gonna ride with Cody. Um, I like Maryland plus one tonight uh, going up against Purdue. Um, 
it's just a Big Ten team at home, and they're getting a point. Um, so I, I would ride with that. Cody does a, a great job with his research. So I'm just going to have to trust the process and go with Cody. Maryland plus one at home against Purdue, even though they're the number one team in the nation. They did just lose to the Northwestern uh, Wildcats. So uh, I, I think Maryland might be able to get them here. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use code CHGO when you sign up. And new customers, when you bet $5, you get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Uh, see show notes for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Um, also, I have to let you know about Chi-Town Cornhole. Chi-Town Cornhole has made some fantastic boxes. Uh, I don't know if Vinny's going to go see the ones in PH and X, but then he could see uh, two sets of uh, Chi-Town Cornhole boxes that he hasn't seen in his life. Uh, they make uh, custom cornhole boxes for you and custom bags. The number one cornhole provider for Chicagoland and Illinois since 2007. Their signature box style can be designed, digitally printed, covered in vinyl, and painted. And their cornhole boards come with built-in drink holders recessed in on the back, LED lights that light up the hole, and exterior handles for easy carrying and handcrafted scorekeepers. Veteran-owned and operated, and they can ship anywhere and offer local pickups. They specialize in corporate designs for your company's next marketing or social event, wedding gifts, and for gifts for all occasions, especially for tailgaters and backyard barbecuers. So go check out the their website chitowncornhole.com and make sure to follow them on instagram at chitown custom cornhole boards and they do make fantastic bags as well we have custom chgo ones uh black and white ones uh, with our logo on them uh they are fantastic people love playing at our tailgate so definitely check out uh chitown custom cornhole boards uh so you can be uh all set up for uh the, the summer when it comes around even though i know if you're looking outside and it's snowy and wet Let's get to Joe Kelly's other comments about Mike Clevenger. This is uh, a one question, and then they wrapped it up. Um, I, I did leave a little bit, bit, bit of levity in the back because um, this topic does need uh, it. Um, so uh, let's just go to the clip. Here is Joe Kelly talking about Mike Clevenger. Clevenger, uh, talked to you guys yesterday. How was that received, and how did you kind of receive that personally in terms of what he had to say? It takes a lot of balls to do something like that, right? Um, you know, I don't know anything – I don't know anything about the allegations. I don't really keep up with, with all that. So um, I know for him, it's probably, you know, weighing on his mind, you know, every single, every single second or minute. Um, but, you know, something that I, I went through the same thing when, you know, obviously it was a team at Trevor Bauer. And um, you kind of just got to let things like this play out and ultimately, you know, let whoever makes those decisions to determine those outcomes. And, you know, like I said, I don't really go and, and, and try to talk to guys who have been through that you know I like I will go and be like hey man are you all right like you know what's going on um, so I just let, let the time you know take take his course and you know see the outcome but like I said for him standing up in, in front of a group of I don't know how many of us are here uh, let's just say 40 uh, as, a, as a first first time meeting someone um, you know showed me a lot there my name's Joe <laughs> I didn't love the answers, but I did like him getting called Dylan uh, and being just misnamed. So um, he's been here for a full year and we still don't know Joe Kelly's name. Um, what do we make of this? Vinny, what was yesterday like for you? It seemed like a whirlwind. You immediately landed and you really weren't sure what to expect from Mike Clevenger. When we talked to you, you had your 10 questions. I thought you did a fantastic job covering uh, the story and the whole whirlwind on all CHGO. It's a very in-depth piece, so make sure you are checking it out uh, at allchgo.com. A lot of comments, a lot of written out quotes, so you can read it for yourself. Uh, we also do have the full video posted on our CHGO Sports YouTube channel, so if you do want to watch Clevenger himself speak about it, uh, you can go watch that 
there. But Vinny, um, what do you make of yesterday? And you know, what what do you make of the tone around Mike Clevenger in camp and him speaking yesterday? Yeah, uh, it's it's a hard question to answer uh, briefly. That's for sure. But um, you know, certainly Rick Hahn brought it up right away that this is not what anybody wanted to be talking about um, as White Sox camp opened. From so from the standpoint of the team, uh, this is not what they wanted to be talking about. They were excited for their new manager, for their new coaching staff, for a new season, for a chance to put last year behind them and all of the uh, fan discontent that was generated from what happened on the field last year. Um, They were looking for a chance to put that behind them. And it has only been worsened by what has now since come to light, uh, uh, you know, in terms of the allegations and the investigation that's underway into Mike Clevenger. Um, The White Sox didn't know. They couldn't know. Uh, They, they weren't uh, in terms of what they were allowed to, or, what other parties were required to tell them, that being Clevenger's former team, the league, Clevenger's agent, or Clevenger himself. None of those parties were required to tell the White Sox that he was under investigation. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a bad situation for the team to be in. It's a bad situation, obviously, for the people involved um, in, in the investigation, both sides of it. Um, when it comes to the reaction of his teammates, which is what we heard today, probably probably not answers that a lot of people were hoping to hear, um, you know, in terms of being impressed that he stood up there uh, commending him for speaking to the team about this issue rather than just letting it go. Um, Mike Clevenger talked to us yesterday and uh, he started off, you know, with a big adamant denial of, of, of everything that's been alleged. And a few minutes in was like, all right, well, I can't talk about that. Now the investigation's going on. Can we talk about baseball? And of course, nobody asked him about baseball. Um, You know, so it was an, it was an odd media session to be a part of. Certainly it's not one that any sports reporter ever wants to be a part of because uh, a, you don't want that sort of thing to happen at all, but you know, you you get into this uh, line of work um, because you're not necessarily looking to, to cover the heavy hitting news kind of things uh, that so many other, uh, you know, journalists are so great at doing. Um, So it's, it's, it's certainly foreign territory for us as well. But um, listen, I'm sure you guys shared your opinions yesterday, Janice, you said you shared your opinions in other forums as well. Um, It's not my job to do that in this situation, but um, certainly uh, a, a day that is as far from positive as you could possibly be. And I think uh, the main thing that seemed to bother everybody was that there is no resolution. Uh, you know, uh, he, he showed up to camp here and nothing had been done because nothing could be done because the investigation's not over yet. Um, you know, Rick Hahn made a point several times to, to say that it's the league, it's the commissioner's job to, to punish him and, and, you know, you see everybody on Twitter saying, just get, just cut him, just get rid of him. They can't, they can't do that. Um, it, it is the league's job to punish him, to tell him that he has to stay home. The White Sox can't do that because of the way that the uh, agreement is structured and the way the agreement is laid out. Um, if they did act, uh, you know, outside of, of the, of the commissioner's office telling them what to do, if they did act outside of it, well, then all of a sudden they're going against that policy and maybe, uh, and maybe hindering it from working the way that it's supposed to. Uh, they're also going against the, the agreement by the league and the players union. The players union would not be happy. You would have to imagine if someone was uh, 
punished for something they were alleged to have done, and then an investigation found out that they were, in fact, uh, you know, exonerated from that sort of thing. Uh, and all of a sudden, here's been a huge loss of income and, and future earnings as well, and, and, and reputation and all of that. It's stuff that you have to take into account when you're making a nuanced uh, uh, evaluation of what's going on. I completely understand that nuance is um, hard to come by uh, when you're talking about something that uh, has the um, emotional uh, things that go along with it that something like this does. Because, listen, I'm trying to stay here and be uh, uh, as, as in, you know, as straightforward and imbalanced as, as possible when you read the things that uh, Mike Clevenger is being alleged to have done. Uh, you can't help but have an emotional reaction to those to those descriptions. Absolutely. I just have this question. Um, I know you were on the plane, you were in travel. Did the media, did the White Sox uh, press pool request Mike Clevenger or did the White Sox press kind of say, hey, Mike Clevenger will be available? We were told that Mike Clevenger would be talking to us yesterday. Okay. I, I, I just found that whole thing. And he, did not, and he did not have to. Okay. And, so and it I, seems to me, it seems to me by what he said, and by what occurred, that this was of his volition. And that's, yeah, I, I found it all odd. Um, I, I don't know if I would describe him speaking in front of everybody as having balls as Joe Kelly would. Um, I just found it very, very odd, the entire situation. Um, Dennis, you obviously touched upon this earlier, so I'll, I'll give you the floor. Um, you mentioned Pedro Grafal's comments, and I do just want to bring those up. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a distraction. Manager Grafal said of Clevenger, he spoke to the club, and we'll leave that in the clubhouse. We have some veteran players here, and I think they'll do a good job handling any distraction that could come our way. Um, what do you make of the Clevenger situation of the past two days? And if you want to touch upon the distraction comment, um, you know, go ahead. Absolutely. Uh, Sean, I think what you said about uh, it being odd that uh, Clevenger did speak on his own volition, I agree. And I feel as if a lot of the responses that we've heard from his teammates have been curated. And the fact that, you know, uh, Joe Kelly uh, said, said that uh, it definitely says a couple of things that uh, he very well just could have given a, a more direct non-answer than the long drawn out non-answer he gave in those comments. Like he could, could have just been like, I honestly don't know about it. Uh, I, I feel as if it's not my place to comment. Left it at that. Uh, all right, fine. Uh, but of course, too, uh, I, I don't know, the, uh, immediately saying that he had balls, though, it's just like... <laughs> I, I, I don't necessarily buy that. I, I feel as if uh, probably if, if he has a PR person or, or someone on his team probably said like, hey, uh, we're going to need you to make some comments on this, like uh, squash the bug, get it out of the way, do it now. Uh, and of course, too, pretty much all we have heard from Clevenger was uh, I didn't do it. So at this point, it's just sort of like. <laughs> right. And it's just odd where he's like, again, like you, you brought up in your story, Vinny. Um, I think you were saying begging to talk about, you described it as begging to talk about baseball, how he was like, you know, you asked me about my mechanics. It's just like, we, that's not why you are speaking on day one of White Sox training camp. We heard the first player White Sox fans heard from, from a team after they were 81 and 81 as a player that never put on the uniform. And I just found it odd that he's speaking in a White Sox hoodie. And, you know, I guess he's a part of camp. He's participating of camp. So whatever, he's, he's got the hoodie. But I just found it completely odd uh, that, you know, five minutes into the seven-minute media session, he's like surprised he's not getting baseball questions. 
Well, also, too, the Joe Kelly comments, uh, definitely, like I mentioned before, the, I, I felt as if that was very curated, as if he was supposed to be posed as this character witness, which, uh, again, another non-answer uh, uh, from what he said. It's like, oh, I, I really don't know too much about it. I don't get involved with that. Uh, but he has balls. Uh, Kendall Graveman, I think, said he stays off social media, so just taking away any, you know, actual tie to the situation. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I, I do remember that as well. So, again, a lot of these, like, quote-unquote character witnesses are claiming this, like, plausible deniability. I, I don't know about it, but I'm just going to see how, it, how things turn out. Uh, I'm sure there are plenty of White Sox players uh, and coaches, too, and staff who are absolutely angered about the entire situation, but we're definitely not going to hear from them, uh, just mainly because the team has a reputation to uphold. Uh, essentially, this is a fire that needs to be put out. So, of course, we're going to hear uh, like generally pro uh <laughs> pro Clevenger arguments until uh, until further notice. So uh, I don't know if uh, cowardice is really the right word to describe the whole situation. Or maybe it is. Maybe it is. No one really wants to say anything. No one really wants to speak up. And I, I will definitely just, you know, acknowledge that maybe they can't. Uh, but otherwise, that's just my perception at this point. Well, and I do want to say one thing as well. I didn't bring this up yesterday, and I just kind of want to uh, readdress it because I felt like remiss not bringing it up. I think the first comment Mike Clevenger talked about was, you know, while well, I'm here. And I, I thought that was really striking, just being like, we talked about the idea of him not showing up to camp or him not being there, maybe on a side field. And uh, I think he was even asked in uh, his comments or the, the press conference, and he said, oh, that was never discussed. That was never discussed of me not being here. I, I just found it kind of striking that when Pedro Grafal is saying, well, he's a part of the organization right now. And then Mike Clevenger being like, Hey, I'm here. It just kind of shows like, again, it, it's an open investigation, but it does also seem like, I don't know, Mike Clevenger's here. So it just felt very, you're not doing anything. And it seems like he feels like he's exonerated just by the fact of being at spring training, which I feel like is a mistake. And that's the problem, Sean, right there with the whole thing MLB has done right here, where they're putting people like Joe Kelly and Kendall Graveman in a tough spot. They're not classically trained people who are speaking every day and understand uh, trauma and all these things like that. They're baseball players. They might have to pitch with Mike Clevenger later, saying something negative and such. And, you know, I, you know I'm an opinion guy, so I can say something negative about Mike Clevenger. I will never see him. So, you know, I don't know if there's going to be a player out there who's willing to say, you know what? I don't like it. I don't like this man on my right. team. Right. This guy's going to get off my team immediately. If he, if that person does, I'll be sure to, to tout him. But I don't know what Joe Kelly was supposed to say otherwise. And this is what MLB has put the White Sox in this position. And Mike Clevenger and his alleged actions have put the White Sox in this position where we're talking, again, the second day, about him not about the future I mean, we did a, early in the show but we're still focusing on him and this is the whole thing with the white Sox. we're talking about new beginnings fresh start hope springs eternal no we're dragged on by a guy who's never a pitch for the white Sox yet and these guys are put in those positions it's an unenviable position that joe kelly and kendall graveman and all the rest are being put into but you know I didn't like their answers either, but I would also put myself in that situation. If I had a teammate like that and if I was playing baseball, what would I say in a, in a public forum? It's I don't just, know. Yeah, it's just a terrible situation overall. Uh, 
it, it, it just sucks. Uh, and if MLB, MLB is definitely to blame, uh, maybe the White Sox are to blame to an extent. But yeah, it's it, 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 it just sucks that that's all there is to it. Again, also too, you have the ability to say no comment. You don't have to say it has right. balls or, hey, I played with him in spring training or single A or whatever Kendall point. Graveman said. You can say, I have no comment. Because again, it's not your choice that he was here. You weren't Rick Hahn signing that contract. You didn't You didn't bring him into the organization. You could just say you have no comment. But again, I think even choosing to speak is a choice as well. Um, any final thoughts on Clevenger before we wrap up? I know Vinny's got some uh, bullet points he wants to hit. I'll just say this. Uh, I mean, uh, you guys heard today from the guys who spoke to us and, and, and you know, in a way, uh, not in a way, they just did, complimented part of, of, of Clevenger's actions yesterday and, and, and his speech in front of the team, certainly not endorsing everything that goes along with him. But mm-hmm. um, that, you know, that wasn't the only interactions that he had with people today. And, uh, you know, certainly you talk about the White Sox being maybe forced into this position, but Mike Clemger threw a bullpen session today and was getting coached up by, by, by the coaching staff, you know, uh, players came into the locker room today and saw him for the first time. And maybe they knew him from playing in a past, uh, for being a teammate of his in the past and walked up to him and shook his hand and gave him a hug. I mean, this is, um, uh, it's, 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 it's just that it's, as you keep saying, it's an odd situation. And, uh, I think we look at it from the outside, somebody, people that don't have to share a locker room with him, certainly. Um, and, and we make our judgments and we have our reactions. Um, but I think, uh, uh, there are other guys who uh, are obviously acting differently. I don't think anything that Kendall or Joe said today about waiting for the end of the, uh, investigation to, to, to make any final judgments was wrong. Uh, but that being said, there's a way, as you guys have been talking about for the last several minutes, there's a way to do that. And uh, uh, they perhaps um, could have done it differently. All right. I know you got some bullet points here. And I think Mailman Jack makes a fantastic point in the comments saying, uh, I hope Vinny doesn't get massively sunburnt. Um, yeah, I need Vinny to get ridiculously sunburnt. You do look a little bit red here, Vin. So I do want to get you out here. I'm cooking uh, right now because here's oh, the thing. I set up the camera. Boy. I set up the camera in the shade and I was just you couldn't see me at all. So I oh, had boy. to stand in the sun and I'm feeling it. I, I, move, I put sunscreen on this morning. Over. You won't be able to see me if I do this. My face it's okay. is gone. It's okay. No, we see your no. sunglasses. That's uh, you right. can go the to ShadyRays.com. The show's almost over. Yeah. You can. You can. They're right you got to wear sunscreen. Sunscreen's important for I everyone. put it on. All right. Good. I bought SPF 100, Janice. 100? 100? 100. Wow. Well, you should be all gravy then. Well, um, well, yeah, we'll we, find you out. You won't be red, at least. We'll all right, find ben. out. You gave me uh, four stuff. I guess one of these is, is Hendrix. Did we touch upon Hendrix enough, or is there anything else you want to add for Liam? I just wanted to say that they uh, they reiterated the fact that they will uh, be updating his status closer to opening day. Uh, you know, so he, he has been here. I think that was news yesterday that he's been here and working out and doing some things that they're allowing him to do uh, in the obviously very difficult and very unique physical circumstances that he's dealing with. But um, he his status will be updated uh, closer to opening day, which, of course, is what they said uh, when this news broke. Um, I, I do. If, I don't know if uh, this is just something that popped in my head, and it might not be something that Rick wants to ask right now. But and it doesn't even have to be in an act. But like, is there a certain designation that they could put him on? Like, I know there's a 60 day IL, but like, is there cert- something certain for this type of illness? I, I don't know if that's something you could ask Rick. Um, well, certainly, I, I certainly sure. that doesn't 
that doesn't have to be determined as, as you know, people don't have to go on the IL until the season actually starts. Right. So I think Absolutely. that's kind of the idea of waiting is let's see if they can have an absolute idea or a much clearer picture of how much time he would actually need. And then they can make a determination on what sort of roster placement he would, he would be requiring. Absolutely. Joe Kelly brought up a uh, Garrett crochet. Um, what, what news we got on crochet? What's the timeline for him? Garrett Crochet, uh, it said, Rick Hahn said he would be back in approximately mid-May. They don't know the exactness of that forecast until uh, Garrett goes on a rehab assignment, and that will happen in April once the minor league season begins. Um, but they are targeting mid-May for Garrett Crochet to return to the White Sox bullpen. One of our WBCers, we got Aloy Jimenez. What you got on Aloy? So, of course, the uh, the talking point from the offseason, oh, my God, Aloy Jimenez, everybody, that they, they might put him back in the outfield. Pedro Grafol, as he seems to do every time he's asked about this, added another little wrinkle to that, no. which was, well, no, this is a positive one for you, Sean, which was uh, he, he, he told Aloy during the offseason, get yourself ready to play the outfield in case we need you. And then he followed up by saying, it doesn't mean he's going to play the outfield. What he just wanted to make sure of was that Aloy did not show up to camp knowing he was going to be a DH and that's it. He wants him to be remain athletic and to be able to do those things should he be needed in a pinch. So he didn't want, you know, him showing up looking like Mo Vaughn, basically, I guess. Um, please, please show up like Mo Vaughn and hit like him too, please. Don't, don't let yourself go. Um, and then Mo the Vaughn final... was a foil at MLB Showdown 2000. Mo Vaughn was a foil, so that's a, good. A, an MVP in his own right. Uh, final guy, I don't think he's a WBCer. He's not a pitcher. He's not a catcher, but he might be the starting second baseman. What do you got on Romy Gonzalez? Uh, again, throws another rave review in there for Romy Gonzalez for what he did this offseason. Of course, he turned it around a little bit and said people, every everybody he's heard has been raving about Romy Gonzalez. He shared that one White Sox player went down to Florida to work out uh, and worked out with Romy Gonzalez at one point, came back to Chicago, walked into Rick's office and said, don't you dare trade that guy. Uh, and then uh, Rick Hahn joked, followed up with a joke, a joke, everybody followed up by saying, doesn't mean I won't. But uh, uh, it, it, uh, it, it was yet another indication that the White Sox are die high on Romy Gonzalez. The untouchable R- Romy Gonzalez. We now have a new <laughs> nickname for him. Uh, any, anything else you guys want to pester a, a sunburnt Vinny Duber with? Or, or should we get out of here and enjoy our weekend? I always want to know, Vinny, what do you eat? What's, what's, what's on the menu for tonight? And what do you eat already on your first day in Arizona? Went out to a very, uh, a very fun, very good restaurant uh, yesterday in Phoenix. Uh, goes by the name of Chelsea's Kitchen. I've been there th- about three times now, I think. Three or four times now. Uh, it's a great spot. Uh, so uh, hit that up last night. Had some swordfish tacos. Uh, so that was very delicious uh, yesterday evening. So we'll see, what, uh, we'll see what tonight holds. As I mentioned before I left, that quick service enchilada place, Gadzooks, uh, right down the street from where uh, me and Ryan Herrera are staying. Uh, so I might have to pop over there this evening for dinner. There you go. I'll put that uh, on my list for next month. Thanks, Vinny. A couple cervezas as well. Tell Ryan Herrera we say hi, and uh, there we go. We'll chat with you on Sunday for more updates from spring training. Thank you very much, Vinny Duber. Again, you can check out his latest piece on All CHGO about Mike Clevenger, including all of the quotes from Mike Clevenger's uh, uh, talk with the press on Wednesday. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He'll have updates all throughout the weekend uh, from spring training. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader and our good friend and special guest today, Janice Gurio, who will be 
with us next week as well. You'll be here Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, right? Heck yeah, I will. There you go. So you can follow her at Scuriosa, and she'll be back with us in studio on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So we'll talk to you all on Sunday. Have a great weekend, and uh, au-, au revoir.